Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome to Authentic Church. Our vision, if you're new to the house, our vision is to that this would be a place where people would encounter God, discover community, and fulfill God's call on our lives. And uh, hopefully you encountered God and are encountering God this morning. It's our prayer. Every time that we gather, there we're, we're not doing Christian karaoke and just singing some good songs on a screen, but that we're actually worshiping and encountering God. And our hope is also that you don't just come and then run out the doors as soon as church is done, but that you actually take time to get involved and to become known in this body. And, uh, and that's a sense of discovering community. I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, uh, you, you look and you see, man, they came together and there was a beautiful sense of community. Like the, the church of the New Testament that you read about where signs and miracles, where wonders were happening, it was a church that got together. It was a, it was a church where there was a strong community that was built. And we need community. If the last few years taught us anything as a people was that we can't live alone. We're not designed to be isolated and live life alone. And so I just want to encourage you to get involved in, in this year. The word for our church that we've been leaning into is foundations. And we're, our hope is that we're building an unshakable faith in our lives. Uh, a lot of things come our way, but man, if your life is founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, you should have unshakable faith. The challenge is there's a lot of people, they're not building their life on Jesus. They go to church, they show up, but they're not actually building it on Jesus. It's no different than my uh, car parked in my garage. Just because I walk into my garage, that doesn't make me a car. Well, no different when you come to church. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're building your life on Christ. And there's certain elements that the Lord has uh, called us to lean into this year. Uh, there, there are mission critical things for the year goals, if you will, if you're a goal person. And we have three key areas that we're leaning into. And the first one is that every person that calls Authentic Church home would develop a thriving prayer life. Now, I'm not talking about like praying before your meals, although that's great, or praying before bed. I think that's great too. I'm talking about having a thriving prayer life where you're encountering God, you're meeting with Him, and you feel confident praying for others and praying out loud. I don't know about you, but when I first began to get to know the Lord and, and I got involved in church and then we're in a prayer circle and everybody's praying and I'm, as it's going around, you know, your eyes are closed and you're holding hands and it was so awkward. And so, you know, and you're going and then when you're done praying, you'd squeeze the hand of the person next to you and it's going around and you're like, oh my God, it's coming closer, you know? And the goal is you never want to be the last person in the circle to pray because all the good stuff was already used up by the time, you know, it gets to you. You're like, squeeze, squeeze, you know, like I don't, I don't have nothing to say. You know, the goal is that every single person in the church would actually have a thriving prayer life where when it comes to you, when it's your turn to pray, that you feel comfortable and confident leading in prayer. I know Christians that have lived for Jesus for 20 years and they're deathly afraid of praying out loud where somebody else can hear that. That's a travesty to me 
Because the God that I serve, man, he, he wants to hear your voice. And, and, there, and you have to, there's an element of growing in confidence. I understand not everybody's wired like, you know, shot out of a cannon like some personalities are. I get that. But every person, we want you to feel confident in having a thriving prayer life. The second area that we felt like God is telling us to lean into in a, as a community of faith this year is that every single person would have a good, strong understanding of sound doctrine and theology. Um, it blows my mind to hear and see some of the things on social media by so-called Christians. And you're like, man, that is so not what the Bible is talking about when you quote that scripture and misquote it and they misapply it, you know? And so our goal is that you're having a strong understanding of sound doctrine and theology and that you'd be activated in ministry. And, uh, and so I love this quote by Kevin Connor. Wrote a fantastic book, by the way, if, if you uh, want to geek out on theology. He wrote an incredible book called The Foundation of Christian Doctrine. Um, and it was grilled into us by our pastors and leaders through the years. Uh, but he says this, he says, it's necessary that Christians be taught sound Bible doctrine and that all doctrine be tested by the full context of the infallible word of God. Doctrine received believed and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and destiny. Can we just say that last line together? Doctrine received, believed, and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and destiny. And you see that played out. You don't have to spend much time with somebody to know what they believe right? You hear them talk a little bit. You're in a store. You see how a mom parents their kids. You can understand and deduce what kind of doctrine they have when it comes to raising their kids. Being around a person, you can they, it just spews out of them. Some, it's a little bit more toxic than others, but it just comes out of you, right? What you truly believe at some point, it's like that, that, that tea bag put in hot water, what's in it is going to eventually come out. The goal is that what comes out of you is going to be good, sound doctrine. Can I get an amen? Well, for, for those of you taking notes, um, the title of my message today is The Doctrine of God, God is Spirit. And even if you're not taking notes, you can write this down. God is Spirit. God is Spirit. And today I'm going to begin with an assumption, and I'm going to assume that every person here under the sound of my voice or watching online, that every person tuning in, that you have a desire to grow in God. That I'm assuming if you're sitting in a church on a Sunday morning at 1043 a.m., I'm guessing there's an element inside of you where you're like, I want to actually grow in my relationship with God. Is that a safe assumption? Five people. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you want to desire to God, know God more. And last week, Casey Tate did a phenomenal job unpacking the nature of God. And so every week we're kind of building off of the week before and helping to connect the dots when it comes to doctrine and theology. Casey is a true teacher of teachers. Uh, like you can tell when she, when she taught last week, it just, it just comes out of her because the word of God is so in her and she's gifted. She's called as a teacher in the body of Christ. There's an authority there. And, um, I, I'm, I'm believing that this morning, as we dive into the topic of the nature of God, that God is spirit, that there's going to be something inside of you that's going to come alive. There's going to be something that you never heard before. You're going to go, wow, I never, I never heard that before. Or there's going to be a thought that hits your brain that's going to be like, I never thought that thought about God before. So I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into God's word today. Amen. 
All right, God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is power. Your word is light. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I thank you that your word is alive and active and is going to speak to us today. God, we pray as we lean in in these uh, moments that we have on this beautiful Sunday, God, I pray that you would come and meet with us. I pray that you breathe on your holy scriptures. And God, that our spirit would encounter your spirit today. I pray that you'd give us eyes to see something in your word we never saw before. I pray that our minds would come alive and that we know and understand something that we never understood before. And God, I pray that we would have faith in our hearts to de- just to believe you at your word. I pray for a spirit of faith to rise in this place. God, I thank you for every person that's here today. God, I pray that you would meet with them and anything going on outside of this room, that it wouldn't distract them from what you want to say today in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So growing up, you know, I, I, I believed in a God, I don't know about you, but I had an aspect of my heart where I believed in God. I had a lot of questions um, that I was too shy to ask, so they didn't get answered. So then as I grew up, I just had all these questions and pretended like I knew all the answers, but I didn't. And I, 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 there, there's an element in my life, though, where I believed in a God. I just didn't know really what I believed about him. Like I knew that there was a being out there somehow. I'm like, there's no way that I'm an accident. There's no way um, that I was just some slime that, you know, crawled out of the sea, you know, six million years ago or whatever, right? Like, like I didn't believe that. I didn't, I didn't believe in the fact that, you know, I came from a monkey or anything like that. I, I have yet today to even meet a half monkey, although there have been some guys that came pretty close when I was growing up playing football. But, you know, there's, yeah, but I've never seen a half man, half, mon- half monkey, right? I, I, I still, even to this day, I still, I just can't find one. You know, I grew up in the Northwest and there was claim of Bigfoot sightings and Sasquatches, but I just, I never saw one. And, and, the, and the more that cameras became readily available, the less sightings there were, right? You know? And so, yeah, I just never saw a half man, half monkey. And, and, and I just, I just believe that there is a creator of the universe, a grand designer that designed this whole thing. And when, when, when you look at life in, um, stand in awe and amazement of what God has done, I just, I just really believe there's a God. And, and today I want to go through, and, and we're going to look at some scriptures in the Bible, and we're going to lean into truth, okay? Mere facts will inform you, but truth transforms you, all right? So mere facts, you can gather mere facts, and you'll be smart. But when you receive truth from God, that truth is transformative, and he's going to transform us today. Hebrews eleven six says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't know about you, but I've come today diligently seeking him. Tomorrow morning when I wake up and I have my, my time with God and I have a chair in my house that I like to go and sit in and I make my cup of coffee, 
I like it black with a little bit of cinnamon and I stir it up and I go sit down in my chair and I got that smell of that coffee and I sit there and, and I open my, my daily prayer card. I use the daily prayer card that we, we have, which we have available at the Connect Center there. Um, and I'll open it up and I'll just begin to just pray and wait on the Lord. I like to just pray in the spirit for a little bit and then uh, to help my mind not wander as I'm sitting there. Sometimes I'm more awake than other days. And I'll, I'll begin to pray and I'll go through the Lord's Prayer as a, as a prayer model. Our Father, holy, holy is your name. And sometimes I just stop right there and the presence of God comes to meet with me. Sometimes I continue on and I recount the names and the titles of God and the character of God and go into that. But spending time there with the Lord, just really encountering Him. But when I come to Him, I'm coming from a place that I already, I already believe God. And you know, no matter where you're at in terms of your knowledge or understanding, that's going to grow over time. But that foundation of coming to the Lord is just simply believing that He is God. And, 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 and for me personally, you know, growing up, you know, I grew up and, and kind of, I knew, I knew our father because it was drilled into me as a good Catholic boy. And, uh, and so I'd have to say that a lot, especially when I made mistakes and beat kids up on the playground, the priest would have me say a lot of our fathers and Hail Marys. All right. So I got the prayer down, but that, that did, that didn't transform my life. What transformed my life was when I began to get around people of God that really knew how to pray and spend time with him. Ever be around somebody and you, you can hear somebody quote and give a, a great a theological talk and a professor or what have you. And you're like, wow, that's brilliant. I've never seen that that way. But then you get around somebody that really prays and you're like, I feel like I'm in the presence of God when this person prays, right? Anybody been around one of those prayer warriors? And, and when you're, and it just, it's, it's, it's a contagion, right? It, it, like it gets on you and you're like, I want to grow and pray. I want to grow in that knowledge of God. So we're going to dive into one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 19. Uh, we're going to dive into Psalms 19. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Psalms 19, and we're going to read a full chapter of scripture today. All right. You're going to be just for reading a whole chapter of scripture. You are a super Christian today. All right. You're going to get a badge when you walk out the door that said, I am a super Christian. I read a whole chapter in the Bible today, right? A lot of Christians don't read the Bible, unfortunately. And that's why even though 75% of our country claim to be Christians, they don't necessarily live like it. All right. And so our hope is that you're going to live like it because the Bible, the word of God is going to transform you. So we're going to get into the word today. So Psalms 19 verse one says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete that's eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. The commands of the Lord are right. They bring joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. 
Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. Now listen to this, verse 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Come on. Those that claim that they don't have sin, they're lying, right? Cleanse me, Lord. Show me what that is. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This scripture just outlines the knowledge of God, the presence of God, and including the plan of God to take away the sin from the world. And, and the revelation that comes from the psalmist as he pens this, it speaks to us today. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. We live in a universe that's immensely awesome. We live in a universe whose immensity presupposes a mighty maker. Just looking at the beauty of our world and the design and the order, they point, there's a point of reference in the earth that everything is so awesomely, decently organized. We know that there must be a wise creator, creator somewhere. There are countless stories of atheists who debate the existence of God, right? And, and, and they, they, they'll say, they'll make this claim. They'll say, if there is a God, Prove it to me. And I'm like, dude, look around. Prove it to you. Look like, look around. Look at the stars. Look at the heavens. Go, go to the ocean. My God, we're so blessed here in Southern California. I grew up in rainy Seattle, right? The sun came out and said peekaboo like once every four months. Like that was it. it the sky was just always a different shade of gray. I'm not kidding you. And uh, like this would be the most beautiful summer day in Seattle, what you're witnessing here today. This was like the most beautiful summer day in Seattle. And it's like, my God, just go to the ocean one day. Just go down to the beach. Go down to Corona Del Mar and just sit there and just look at the waves that crash the shore and the rock formations and the sand and, and the sky and the horizon. I mean, everything, when you look around, you can't help see, but see what God has created and when you encounter an atheist, it says, prove to me, prove to me that there is a God. Now, if somebody's really seeking, all right, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. But if somebody's just puffed up with pride, my answer back to them is you prove to me there is no God. Prove to me, prove to me. Look in the mirror and look at how your pupils open and the dilation of your pupils and how they use that when they constructed the telescopes to be able to look out and zoom. Prove to me that you're not some master design. Like, like you're, you're not that salamander that just slime that came out of the ocean six million years ago that turned into a monkey that turned into a man, right? I mean, like there, there's certain aspects when you look in nature, you can't help but see the, the, that God's handiwork is in that. I mean, no matter, no matter what you may think when you look in the mirror, I promise you, you are a work of art created by Almighty God. 
Like, you're incredible. You're handsome. You're beautiful, right? You look, look, just think of how your brain can process so information. Like, you're looking at me right now, but you can also see that it just got a little bit lighter outside and that there's a cross right here. And you can hear my voice and you're processing as it reverberates in your ear and you're understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth isn't just wah, 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 but it's actually words and phrases and sentences that go in and it touches your brain and the neurons are firing and you're understanding and you're putting together concepts. I mean, you're, you, you are wonderfully, incredibly, awesomely made. Like, there's no God? Like, I, I can't even fathom that train of thought. And yet so many people would say, I, I really don't believe that there is a God. And usually when they say, I don't believe there's a God, it's usually because, not always, but usually it's because there is an experience that happened in their life where they were like, if there really was a God, this wouldn't have happened to me. And the reason that then they, they deduce that there's no God is because I was wounded, I was hurt, I was abused, I was, where was God? And we're going to unpack some of those really tough questions, by the way, over the course of this series this year. I'm not going to focus on it today. But I want to challenge that train of thought and just let you know, God is a creator he essentially <clears throat> passed the ball to Adam and Eve. They fumbled. Satan picked it up gladly and ran with the ball. Okay? And Jesus redeemed it. And for those that are redeemed, they realize that even the bad things that happened in my past, the Lord can redeem and use for his good. There's a kind, loving, gracious God. And even though difficult things happen and people die that we don't want to die, Things, people get hurt. We've gotten hurt. You've probably hurt people and you didn't mean to. It doesn't change who God is. And that's why it's so important to understand and have good sound doctrine and theology when it comes to understanding there is a God. God is, he's the forever being. If you're taking notes, that's a good thing to write down. He's a forever being. Like, like you can't even, we can't even fathom in our three pound fallen brains we can't really fathom the fact that he, he never had a beginning and he has no end. Like we, we can't, we can't understand that, right? So like, like there's an aspect where we're like, I just don't understand you, right? I don't understand that. And when you read through the Bible, the Bible never tries to prove the existence of God. You, you, I mean, read through thousands of, of scriptures, thousands of pages of revelation, and you do not see anywhere in the Bible where it's like the writer is going and really trying to convince us that there is a God. Now, Paul argued the Berean people. I get all that. I hear you. But the Bible itself, it doesn't try to lay a claim to like convince you that there is a God and then you believe in Jesus. No, the Bible just simply says it begins, right? In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God. Like, God. And, and you can go through like cause and effect and how does this happen or what have you. But at some point in everybody's life, we just have to come to the understanding that God in the, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. I don't have to have every question of mine answered. I just believe there's a God. If I knew everything and could make sense of everything and I, and I'm going to do my best to unpack it today that God is spirit. Uh, if I could fully understand everything, it wouldn't take any faith to believe. 
There's an element inside of you, inside of all of humanity that groans, right? There's an aspect of understanding God. And part of understanding God is understanding his nature. That's why it was so beautiful how Casey shared last week on the nature of God and unpacked that. Because God has natural tendencies. There's, 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 there's character that he has. And if you don't understand that, then you can hear one scripture taken out of context. And because you don't have a strong biblical foundation, you go, oh, well, that theologian or that preacher or that Instagram, TikTok person, whatever, that sounds really good. But it's not because it's actually not built on the word of God. They took one scripture, one phrase completely out of context and they don't understand hermeneutics and they didn't, they took it out of context. And so now you got all these people that are wondering, oh, the Bible says that. No, that's not what the Bible means right there. That's why it's so important that you have your life founded on the word of God. So the Bible doesn't, doesn't try to prove the existence of God. It just assumes if, if, you're reading it, that there's a God. Like it just assumes that there is a God. Hebrews eleven six. we read it earlier. He who comes to God must believe that he is. He is. You, you just got to come to a point where you go, I don't understand it all. I don't have all my questions answered, but I just, I, I believe that there's a God. I have, I want to get questions answered and that's good. That's great. That's, that's part of doing a deep dive and that's what we're doing here today. Before you can come to God though, you have to first believe that he is, he is God. And as Casey reminded us last week, don't forget that he first came running after you. Like God has been pursuing you. You just suddenly had an awareness of his pursuit. You didn't even know. And the nature of God is one where he invites you. You know, when you look around creation, like, different species, they, ha they have a nature, right? If you, if you own a cat, that cat has cattish behavior, right? There, there's a, there's a cat-like nature in all cats, right? In the animal kingdom, and you look like cats, whether it's a big cat, a small cat, a cat that can eat you, or a cat that you pet, right? The cats have, they kind of have a cattish nature. The cattish nature is going to be different than the dog nature, right? The dog nature is going to be different than the nature of a tree. The trees have a different nature than the fish. The fish have a different nature than a monkey. The monkey has a different nature than a man, right? There, there, there's aspects of nature. And so we have been created. We're going to unpack this in a little bit. When you hear the words, you've been created in the image of Almighty God, it doesn't mean that God looks like this with, you know, like when we get to heaven, he might appear in different forms, but the fullness of God, we, we could never really see. It says no man can see the Lord and live. Like he's so awesome. He's too awesome to really behold his glory. The angels, there's angels that got like eyes all over their body, which, which is just kind of freaky weird. Kind of makes me itch, like just thinking about eyes all over your body. But they have all, all around them. And all they say when they see, when they're there in the presence of God, all they're saying is holy, holy, holy. Like they're bowing, like you're too awesome. Like I, I, I can't even contain it. You're, you're just too awesome. So that awesomeness of God, we may never fully understand. And that's okay. And we have to be okay with that. Psalms 139 verse 6 says, David concludes this. He said, such knowledge, when, him, when I'm thinking about God, it's too wonderful for me. Like it's just, it's so wonderful. It's so big. It's so magnanimous. It's so awesome. It's too great for me to understand. And then David makes this conclusion in experiencing just the taste of the presence of God. He makes this conclusion. He says, Psalms 14.1, he says, oh, it's only a fool that says in their heart, there's no God. That's that, like, that's fool. That, that, in other words, in modern day speak, that's crazy talk. There's no God. You're crazy. It's crazy talk, right? Prove to me there's no, like, there, there's no God. That's crazy talk. There is God. 
Romans 3 verse 4, it says, Indeed, let God be true, and every man be a liar. That's why that whole thought pattern of atheism, and now it's crept into the school systems and, and gotten into to the teachings of our children, and that aspect of evolution, it's, it's so detrimental because it removes the creator from his created being. And God designed you and me to have fellowship, relationship. And, and he wants to remind you today, no, you were created on a purpose. You're on purpose for a purpose. Like you're, you're beautifully, wonderfully made. Like you're special, right? And, and, and the lie of the devil, and it, he's the father of all lies, the lies of the devil is that, no, you actually came from sludge and that there's no real purpose to your life. So if you take your life, which suicide rates are through the roof across the world, if you take your life, nobody's going to really care because all you came from, because he's done a, such a masterful job at deducing your worth down to you were just kind of something that crawled out of the ocean and you've evolved through the years. Like what a crime against humanity, atheism. But Romans 3, 4, let God be true. Every man be a liar. God alone is true. So you have the nature of God. So that word nature comes from the word natural. The, the word nature refers to that which is natural to being. So it's really, it's really important that we understand the nature of God to grow an understanding of who God is. Now, I love this quote. There's a, there was a, a group of people in, in England that got together. They were top theologians, and they were kind of redoing the Church of England um, back in the 1600s. And as they begin to do it, they had different leaders and theologians and people from parliament. And they had what was called the Westminster Assembly. And uh, it was actually, if you look it up, it was the Westminster Assembly of Diviners, which sounds so spooky, but they used that word diviners in Old English and it was for theologians. So, so the Westminster Assembly of Diviners. So they got together and what they would do is they would, they, they had Bibles, but most people didn't fully understand it, which the Church of England at the time did not want the people to understand it. They wanted the king to dictate what the Bible said and how it was interpreted. And so they were redoing the Church of England in the 1600s. A lot of them were, uh, that later became Puritans and, uh, even some of them founded America. And so what happened was uh, they wrote, they would write these questions down and then they would describe it and they would send out these letters, what they called catechisms, these teachings, and they would send them out to the different churches throughout England and Scotland. And so they had this in answering the question, they would have a question and then they would have an answer. And so they'd get up and they'd read it and they'd talk about it and then they'd jump into the scripture. And in answering the question, who is God? This is the simple conclusion that they came to. This is the Westminster Catechism. They wrote in simplistic form, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchanging in his being. God is wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And I, like that was their answer. And I just thought, man, that is such a beautiful summary when you read through the scriptures. Who is God? He's spirit. He's infinite. Infinite, yeah, no beginning, no end. He's eternal. He's unchanging in his being. He doesn't change his ways. He's not fickle. He is wisdom. He's power. You think you got power, you have no power compared to God. He's power, all power. He's holy. He's, he's so holy. He is justice, pure justice, right, wrong. He is justice. He's goodness. He is truth. And I like this quote. It kind of summarizes what Jesus said in John 24, 24. Jesus says this. He says, God is spirit and must be worshiped in what? 
spirit and in truth, which means that in order for us to understand the nature of God, we've got to understand the nature of spirit. And now in this quote, in John uh, 24, 24, we just read, Jesus, this quote is from a time where Jesus is meeting, he's met with this woman at the well, Samaritan woman, right? And what does the Samaritan woman say? She says, well, you Jews, you go to Jerusalem and worship in the temple, and us Samaritans, we worship over here in the mountains. And Jesus responds to her, and he says, well, God is spirit, and, and you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. What is he saying? He says that your worship is not based on location. Yeah, so the Jews go to Jerusalem. You worship in the hills. You can worship God anywhere. You can worship God like I do in my chair in my living room early in the morning. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God in your shower. Some of you, the best revelation you ever got in your life came from you just singing and worshiping God in the shower. And there's great acoustics. So even if you don't have the best vo vocal, uh, you, you sound like you do when you're in the shower, right? Yeah, you, know, you can worship him anywhere. You can build an altar wherever you're at. Because God is spirit. So Jesus is telling the woman that it's, it's not going to be based on place. It's going to be based on the position of our hearts. God is spirit. So I have, I have four points today that I'm just going to unpack in our time together about this, the nature of the spirit of God. So uh, write this down. Point number one, God is spirit. God is spirit. He's not confined to any place. God is spirit. He's everywhere. He's got no limitations. Number two, God is not human, which I know for those of us in the room, you're probably like, well, duh. But the word human comes from humus, which is actually, it means earth, dirt, right? God didn't come from that. God created that. So he's not human. He doesn't, he, he can take on human form, but he, in heaven, God's not, our understanding and the fullness of his glory is not going to look like a man with hands and arms and he might appear like that in different times, but God is spirit. God is not human. So we were made, somebody says, well, weren't we made in the image of God, right? They quote Genesis 126, right? Let us make man in our image, which also refers to the plurality of God and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which we're going to dive into as well this year. Um, Colossians 1.15 says this. I want to outline in, in this image and what that means. Image in the Hebrew language, like if you read image in the Hebrew and you really get into it, it's actually like the, the character of something. So when it talks about the image, it's talking about the character, the characteristics of something. So Colossians 1, 15 uh, through 17. This is one of the raddest scriptures. I love this. It's talking about Jesus. This is, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So like, I, in other words, God said, I'm going to help you understand how I flow. So I'm going to come in the form of a man, Jesus, and I'm going to be God in flesh. And I'm actually going to show you my ways, show you my purposes. So he comes and he says, he's the image of the invisible God. Next slide. From, for by him, all things were created. Some things, no, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. In other words, there's a realm that you don't even see that's happening. There's a spiritual realm that we do not see. There's angels that come. There's also demons that come, right? There's an image. And by the way, there's twice as many angels as they are as demons. So don't get too freaked out about demons, all right? You got more power in your finger 
than all of hell, all right? He's the image of the, by him all things are created, heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So you were created in the image. There's characteristics that God put in you. There, there, there's, there's a desire inside of you to know your creator and worship your creator. There's not a, that's different than animals. Like my dog is not going like, God, are you real? I want to worship you, right? Like I'm, I'm going to have a delicious uh, chicken lunch and the chicken's not like before it was killed was not like, I want to know you, God. Like, you know, like that, like that's not part of the, na- the, the chicken doesn't have that inside of them. Somebody says, how can you say that? Is that the case about cats? It's definitely the case about cats. They do not cry out for their creator, okay? <laughs> so there, there's under, understanding, like you're the only thing that God created that has the ability to really get to know him. It says all creation moans and groans, crea- creation cries in worship. I get that. But you were designed to know him. Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to one another since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on your new self. Colossians 3.9 here. Next slide. Boom. There you go. Nailed it. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. In what? In the image of who? Christ. All right? So we just read earlier in Colossians, he's the, he's the, the image of the invisible God. And now it's saying here that you're being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your Creator. Point number three, God is invisible, all right? God is spirit. We can't fully see him with the natural eye and fully take in his awesomeness. Number four, God is eternal. God is eternal. Always has been, always will be, always was, always is. God is eternal. First Timothy 1.17 says this, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The King eternal. He is the eternal God. Spirit has no death. I don't know if you know about this, but there's eternal life. And if there's eternal life, there's also eternal what? Death. There's eternal death. And in the spirit of a man is eternal. And death isn't what you and I think. Death is uh, in God's definition, death is where there's this broken relationship between his spirit and your spirit. That's, that's what real death is. When the Bible talks about the, the finite death, it's when there's the breaking relationship between your spirit and his spirit. I mean, think about this. Everybody's going to live forever. Every, everybody. Every single person on planet Earth, all 7 billion or how many people there are now, they're all, they, they will all live forever. All the ones that died before you, they're going to live forever. They're going to live forever. They're not going to live in the confines of a body, but their spirit man, their spirit person, their spirit being will live forever. The question isn't if you're going to live forever. <laughs> the question is where? And then if you really dive into it, do a deep dive on studying of the, the Bama seat, the judgment seat of Christ, there's also an element of how you're going to live forever. But everybody is going to be, everybody is going to live forever. So death is this broken relationship between God's spirit and your spirit. 
Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 1 John 5.11. And so this is the testimony. God has given us, you and me, He's given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. So you understand now that there is eternal life and there is eternal death. That's why it is so important, the fact that if you place your trust and hope in Jesus Christ, your eternal life is secure in the fact that you will always live in the presence of Almighty God. No matter if you fade away in this life soon or later, at one point we will all be in the presence of God. And then the question is, am I going to live an eternal life with Jesus or an eternal death apart from God? That's why it is so critical that we as armor bearers, as, as uh, carriers of the gospel, that we go out and we share the message of Jesus. I love the, like all the, there's a real popular move uh, that there's this social justice and doing all these great things. And, uh, but if people's lives aren't being transformed, then you're, you're taking the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God out of those elements. Like, like it's great. It's great to go do work in other countries, et cetera. But the, the greatest thing that you can offer somebody is the message of Jesus Christ. And, and, and there's an aspect of, of knowing God where you really begin to honor him. Like there's a, there's a popularized uh, term uh, back a number of years ago. Jesus is my homeboy. Anybody ever see that? right? Sweatshirts, they got this sweatshirt and it's like, Jesus is my homeboy. And it's like Jesus with an Afro and he's like all cool. And he's got a, this hoodie and stuff. And it's like, Jesus is my homeboy. And, and they, 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 this organization, they produced these and they pumped it out all over and, and they were cool and everybody's getting them and everything like that. And yeah, I'd be honest with you. Jesus is not your homeboy. Like God, he, he's, he wants to be a friend of yours, but he doesn't want you to be too friendly with him. Like, he's holy. He's not your homeboy, all right? And we, we've reduced God down to this element where he's just my friend. Yeah, he, yeah, he is your friend. And I hope you feel that he's your friend. But there's an element where you get too friendly with God and you forget his holiness. Like, you ever see a mom and, 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 and father and they're like best friends with their kids, but their kids are like five and six, right? So the kids kind of like run the show, Right? And, and, and it's awkward. It's not natural, right? Because God placed you in their life to be the parent. God placed you in their life to teach them honor and respect, right? And one of the first scriptures my kids ever learned was Deuteronomy 6.1, right? Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor, honor and respect your parents in the Lord. Why? Why did I teach them that? Because it was in Exodus 20 verse whatever, one of the Ten Commandments says, honor the Lord your God. And, and then it goes on to say, honor your mother and father in the Lord. And that it was the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and you live a long life. So I taught my kids honor and respect when they were young. And I teach them respect for others. So when people would come up and say hi to my kids, I'd tell my boys, look them in the eyes. Look them, shake their hand. They just greeted you, son. Greet them back, right? We do these things as parents because I want my kids to understand honor and respect. And, and it begins in the home. They need to honor and respect me because if they, if I can't teach them how to honor and respect me, they're never going to honor and respect God. So it's not a, you know, I'm your father and you're going to you know do whatever I tell you. It's not that kind of force. It's love and it's an invitation, but there's an element of respect. 
So God wants you to be your friend, yes. But you got to be cautious of not just being too lackadaisical and friendly with God. Because then when you become lackadaisical, then there's this whole grace thing where you're like, I know I've messed up a million times in this area, God, and you love me anyway. And then they kind of wink at a sin when God's like, I'm not winking at that sin. That sin actually separates you from me. It breaks the relationship. So yeah, I, I, I love you and I forgive you. But that breaks our relationship. So God is he's serious about this, right? God is serious about this. So, and, and, and the reason is because when you respect and you honor God, you, you go from a place of merely experiencing his love to experiencing his favor. So when you really respect and honor God, you receive, you have a revelation of his love, but then you begin to walk and experience his favor. What do I mean by that? Go to Psalms 84 verse 11. Psalms 84 verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good things does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. From who? From those who walk uprightly. So there's a connection between your walk in reverence to God and the favor that he places on you. He loves everyone, but his favor is usually, not all the time, but mostly when you read through the scriptures, his favor typically is reserved for those people who love and actually obey him, that do what he says. That's where the God, that's where God's favor comes in. Those who walk uprightly experience his favor. God's serious about this. Deuteronomy 4.23. So be careful not to break the covenant of the Lord your God that he's made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or any form, for the Lord your God is forbidden this. The Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. Okay, does that sound like Jesus is my homeboy? Like, you know, he's a consuming fire. Like, like at one point, everything that we've done on earth is going to be judged, right? Whether you built it with, with jewels and precious stones or if it was hay stubble and straw, right? And it gets burned up. It's like, is this going to pass through the fire? He's a consuming fire. He is a jealous God, perfect jealousy. Not the kind of jealousy that a man has with a woman. It, like it's, it's another level of holy jealousy. Like he's jealous for your heart. I'm going to have uh, Hannah join us up on the front on the piano, please, as we close out. So we're talking about God as a spirit. And I think if you're sitting in this room, you're saying, I, I want to draw close. I want God's spirit to draw close unto me, right? James 4.8 says, which this is not on the notes, but James 4.8 when you draw near to God, God is faithful to do what? Draw near unto you. You want to know what repels God? This is what repels God. Two basic things. Pride, complacency. <laughs> you want to dispel the favor and honor of God? You're too prideful. I don't need you. And then you complain with whatever you got in life. Well, God, you didn't do this, and ba 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 ba. Right? For those of you parents, if your kids complain, do you want to bless them with any ice cream today? No, right? <laughs> it's like parenting 101, right? Not happening, right? You're complaining. You can go home and you get to eat carrots and broccoli <laughs> for the next year, <laughs> right? Pride and complacency, it just repels God. So, what attracts the Spirit of God? two things I'm going to hone in on and we'll land. A lot of things can attract the presence of God. I'm just going to, this is not an exhaustive list. It's just kind of a summary. Number one, humility. When people really cry out to God from a sincere heart, God answers. Psalm 66 is a beautiful reminder to us today. 
Heaven is my throne. It's the Lord speaking. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Where's the house that you're going to build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. When was the last time you just trembled at the word of God? It's good to have a holy fear of the Lord. It's, it's, it's actually healthy. And it's not a fear like I'm afraid. Really what it is, a fear of the Lord means I'm, it's not I'm afraid of God. It's that I'm afraid to be out of relationship with him. Like I'm, I'm afraid of that, that feeling of not being close with him. And the second thing that invites the presence of God is sincere praise and worship. Sincere praise and worship. And Nicole uh, cited the scripture. She said, the Lord gave me a scripture this morning. And it was actually my closing scripture in my notes out of Psalms. Psalms 22, verse 3. God, what? Inhabits the praises of his people. Notice it doesn't say he inhabits the complaints of his people. <laughs> it's a good reminder when you're going through a difficult time. Lord, I know you, you inhabit the praises of your people. So I'm, despite what I see, despite what I'm experiencing, I'm going to praise you anyway because you're worthy and you're holy. I'm going to praise you. In the middle of the storm, I'm going to praise you. In the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to praise you. In the middle of a jail, Paul and Silas, this doesn't feel like the blessing of the Lord. This is not what Joel Osteen told me would happen if I read his book. Here I am in this. I love Joel Osteen, by the way. I really do. He's a sweet man. I've, I've actually been with him. Uh, it's, it's not, it, this may not look like what I thought it was going to look like, but in the middle of all that mess, I can praise him from a sincere heart and worship him. Today, as we close, uh, we're going to have a time of communion. I'm going to have Sarah come up and lead us back into that song, What a Beautiful Name. And we're going to have a time of communion as a church family. And as we have communion, I want you just to kind of do business with the Lord. And, and maybe you've been a little too casual with God. And he's putting his finger in your life in that area and saying, I love you, but I am holy. And that thing that you've done or are doing or seem just to can't get over, I want to heal you of that, but it's, it's a big deal. Maybe you're here and, and the Lord's inviting you closer into a deeper well of his knowledge and his presence and you're like, man, Lord, I love you. And I want to even, I want to know you even more. Wherever you're at today, I just want to encourage you as you take communion. You know, Jesus said, as often as you do this, so he's assuming that we're going to take communion together after he goes. He says, as often as you do this, whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. That, that you now have unlimited access to the creator of the universe because of what I'm about to do for you. And so Jesus has done it. So today, as we take communion, let's do it in remembrance of him. Amen. Why don't we just all stand together and 
as Sarah leads us in this last song, you can go ahead and come forward and get the elements and go back to your seat. If you're part of the prayer team, if you could join me up front, we're going to make ourselves available. We're a praying church. Uh, so if you need prayer for anything today, anything going on in your life, we would be honored to pray with you. We'll have prayer leaders up on both sides here at the front. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.